Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Link Podcast, the podcast for busy Catholics. My name is Father Rob Adams, and today I'm happy to welcome once again Father Justin Rose of the Melkite Eparchy of Newton. Hi, Father Justin. How are you? Hi, Father Rob. Doing great. How about yourself? Good, good. The last time we had you on, we got to talk about more, you know, general things about Eastern Christianity and how it's not just a funny mass. It's got a whole interesting history. But today I wanted to get a little bit into some of the specifics, right? Because now as we're recording this, it's Advent or as as the East calls it, it's the Nativity Fast, correct? Nativity Fast, right. And one of the things a lot of uh, Catholics who do know something know about the East is that you fast a lot, a lot of fasting. At least theoretically. Oh, in theory. In theory, a whether, lot of fasting. Whether, whether everybody keeps the fast or not is, is a different story. But we have, yes, we have four major fasting periods in the year. Um, the Great Fast, Great Lent, uh, which of course corresponds with, with you know, everyone else's Lent, um, is the most serious for us. That's the strictest fast. Um, but we are, we, we do 40 days of fasting prior to Christmas as well. Mm. And then we have two um, minor fasts in the summer. But we also fast every Wednesday and Friday, um, you know, at least for meat and, and animal products. Um, you know, so there's, there's a, a, like you said, I mean, fasting is a big part of our spirituality. Um, so, and, and it's it, the Christmas fast, of course, we take a little break for Thanksgiving because we're Americans. Of course, of course. Uh, you know, we're not going to have tofu on Thanksgiving um tofurkey but um but you know so it actually kind of gives us a little pause in the middle of it it's uh, which i take huge advantage of of course (laughs) but it's it is something that sometimes people don't really understand but i can tell you you will never celebrate christmas or or pascha easter again the same way if you have if you have fasted um because you know that you embody when you first had that first taste of meat and cheese and stuff it, you know, you're you're in your body. You feel the celebration of the feast. Well, that's, um, not that's just really in interesting. Mind. Yeah, yeah. That it's it, the fasting involves the body, kind of like how the sacraments involve like the stuff of the world, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, exactly right. We're physical beings. We're not just you know like disembodied minds, right? And so that's why we we make the sign of the cross. That's why we bow and stand and move and and eat and consume stuff and smell. But, you know, we Byzantines use tons and tons of incense. Um, my deacon is famous for saying more incense, less nonsense. Um, <laughs> which I think it's wishful thinking. I think we still have plenty of nonsense. But, uh, but um, you know, so all of those things are meant to involve the body. And fasting is really important. And it's, and it's something that in our contemporary society, you know, we just don't want to hear. You know, we, we really don't want to, to deal with fasting today because we like having everything at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to order whatever we want from Amazon.com right off. You know, you think of it, boom, you've ordered it. Two days later, it's there. Um, you know, we we're, we have very high food security, you know, as a, as a, as a, a country, as a nation. Um, and, you know, so fasting was designed uh, really in, in the ancient world, in, in the Byzantine Empire, um, to make the rich mindful of the poor. Exactly. Right? So our traditional fast in the Byzantine tradition is um, no meat or animal products, no wine or olive oil during the weekdays. On the weekends, because Saturday's the Sabbath and Sunday's the Lord's Day, 
Uh, and on feast days, wine and oil and sometimes fish are allowed, depending on which fast it is. Um, That's so, interesting. That's interesting, yeah. though, that the, the East considers fish as part of meat, whereas for us Roman Catholics, fish is like a, a breather, right? It's it's a freebie almost. Well, and it's funny because so shellfish are always allowed in the fast, right? Clams, shrimp. lobster, whatever, shrimp, all that stuff. And I hate that stuff. I grew up in Maine. I, I, I you <laughs> know, I grew up in Maine, and I won't eat seafood to save my life. Um, but um, so I never think to mention it to people. And years later, after after preaching fasting to the to my parish, somebody asked me. They had read something, and they said, "Well, can we have shrimp and stuff?" I said, "Oh yeah, you can always have that." There was this huge groan in the parish because <laughs> I had never mentioned that shrimp and clams and all those things are acceptable any time in the fast. See, um, I love that though, because one of the things, and like you know, my training as a liturgist is is obviously different, but one of the things that I was really struck by when when I was learning this was how, like you said, the fasting is really supposed to remind the rich of the poor, right? Um, right. With the idea being that the foods that are allowed during a fast are not so much there to punish us like some kind of monastic discipline. Right. They're there to be the things that poor people could eat. That's exactly right. And so, yeah, like, go sorry, ahead, sorry, no, go ahead. Every, nearly every culture in the world has a recipe for beans and rice, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, I mean, you know, it's beans and vegetables and seafood. And again, I think in the Byzantine world, the distinction between fish and shellfish uh, has to do with blood, first of all, mm -hmm. and, and, and a backbone. But also that, you know, fishermen could go and get those things easily, yep. right? So they were still poor people's food. Today, they're kind of luxury foods. Um, but, you know, they were, they were really poor people's foods in those days. So, yeah, you, and the, so there's two, two elements to this, right? So first is that it equalizes society. The poor, the rich eat like the poor. Mm -hmm. And our mind can be mindful of the poor. Because, of course, fasting is always joined with prayer and almsgiving. Right. You know, fasting yep. le left to its, itself is just a diet, yep. you know, but fasting's meant to make you mindful of, of others, especially those in need uh, and perhaps give you a little bit more money that you can give to the poor. because exactly. you're But also it, it takes away all the party foods. Mm. Right. I mean, you know, so it, people always kind of kind of remark on the fact that we in the Byzantine fast don't have olive oil. Um, and there's a big debate about whether that means all oils or, you know, if other kinds of oils are okay. And, oh. you know, just, just cause you know, we, we have to make a debate out of everything, but, um, but the thing was that olive oil was a huge part of the Roman world at that time, the Byzantine world. And, um, so take, and it was also rich people's food. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you take that away and, you know, it makes folks really mindful of, you know, of being in solidarity with the poor and being uh, told to go without. Right. And then, and then they also can't have parties during that time. Yeah. <laughs> but I love I love how you said that, that it's always joined with prayer and fat, uh, prayer and almsgiving, because one of the things I read from a, he's actually an Orthodox theologian, but, you know, he's actually my favorite theologian. But I'm allowed to say that because he's also Pope Benedict's favorite theologian. So I guess that that's cool. Um, but Father, uh, Father Alexander Schmemann, um, mm -hmm. I really like Father Schmemann a lot. He was the director of liturgy at St. Vladimir's uh, Seminary for a long time. But uh, Father Schmemann once said that fasting, prayer, and almsgiving are not there so much to punish our sins, even though they do that. Um, mm -hmm. They're there to train us how to breathe the new, the air in the new creation, right? To learn how to live in the world after Easter, right? That's right. That's right. 
Yeah, because you're, I mean, you know, the, the fathers teach that there was no meat eating and no killing in the Garden of Eden, right? Mm -hmm. So in a sense, you're you're eating as if you're in paradise already. That's and exactly that's what Father, and, Father Alexander and, was saying, yeah. Right, and in, in, in the Roman Catholic Church, we just read, uh, just the other couple days ago, we read the prophecy from Isaiah about the wolf lying down with the lamb, the child putting his hand on the adder's lair. I mean, obviously, those things don't happen. And they didn't happen after Jesus was born. But right. the point is that Christ is bringing a new creation to bear. And it's kind of our job as Christians to be prepared for that. And that takes training and fasting, prayer and almsgiving are the only tools in our toolbox. That's well, and that's it. I mean, you know, that's what we've got. You know, if you want to be a, a you know, a, an Olympic athlete, you don't just show up at an Olympic village and say, I'm going to be an athlete. They all look at you and say, well, okay, I mean, you've trained for years and years. Oh, no, I just want to be an athlete. Okay, well, that's lovely. Take care. Bye-bye. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you know, it being to be an athlete requires that you listen to the coach, right, which is prayer, that you practice with giving and that you eat a certain way, which is fasting. Mm. Unless you're a sumo wrestler, that doesn't mean you can eat anything you want. You know, I mean, it usually means you restrict yourself in certain ways um and eat certain foods and so mm -hmm. forth so yeah i mean christians are spiritual athletes and i think a lot of us are you know spiritual couch potatoes these days um we've gotten very very comfortable and i always tell my people you know i don't it, so one of the things i want to emphasize is that oftentimes roman catholics go at things from laws and rules right right, right? so like you know you got the bare minimum like here's the bar and you know you Often that's what happens is when you set a bar, people don't go any higher than the bar. Right. You know, um, so it's not about rules. You know, you don't have to fast. Um, but it, it is absolutely about, you know, pushing yourself and growing spiritually. And I always tell my people, if you can't do something small, like not eat meat, then you can't do something big, <laughs> you know, like 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 struggle with an addiction or, you know, I mean, you know, be chased or stay so, you know, faithful I mean, you, in your you, marriage. You, yeah. Insert, insert right, challenge. You know, exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, and, and the other way works too. You, if you can do something small, you can work on those bigger things too. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, um, it's very important. It's a very, it's, it's a voluntary thing that we can do that really pays off big time in our spiritual Amen. life. Amen. Well, I think I think that's a really good way to talk about it. You know that it should challenge us. It's not meant to break us. It's not meant to be a a, a jail sentence or anything. But it is right. meant to to get us ready. So um, right. I think that's something that a lot of Christians could really uh, think about. Maybe trying to find a yeah. way to word that softly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once again, yeah. thanks, Father Justin. I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, no this trouble. Is, a really good topic that I think a lot of Catholics could do well to think about. So once again, this has been the Catholic Link podcast, the podcast for busy Catholics. Head on over to catholiclink.org and you can find all of our stuff. So once again, thanks for listening. Hope to see you next time. Mm -hmm.